Mark Hilliard and his wife live a life many of us only dream about. They are on the road as full-time RVers playing pickleball all over the country. In addition to this, Mark will take his amphibious plane, which can land anywhere, to find pickleball games. He often lands on the water, swims to shore, and makes his way to the pickleball courts for a game. So, let's get to the intro to hear from Mark. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, Mark Hilliard. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm doing great, Lynn. I do have to admit, I am jealous because I am back in Connecticut and there will be no playing pickleball outdoors today, but uh, I bet you're enjoying some good weather. Where are you today? I'm actually in Southwest Florida on the Gulf side in a town called Punta Gorda, where uh, they have a, a nice facility called the Pickleplex. Uh, and unfortunately, today is actually uh, 68, which I know for you would be wonderful. For here, it's kind of like, oh, this is an off day. It's a little bit rainy and I don't suspect there's probably anybody out playing today, but that's unusual. Normally, uh, we're in easily the 70s this time of year and low in the in the low 60s and it's beautiful. It's perfect. Before we get to some of the many places that you travel around to, I do always like to start off with your pickleball journey, how you got started and how long ago that was. So I met my now wife just coming up on seven years here, coming in March, and she was a very big uh, racquetball player for like 30 years, played every day. And uh, she had taken up pickleball prior to she and I meeting, uh, and it was here in Florida. And as things happen when you're dating, you, what do you do and how do you do it? And she asked if I'd ever played pickleball. I said, no, which was interesting because there aren't too many sports I haven't tried. I, I've Since I was a kid, I've been super, super active and still remain that way. But she, she said, well, let's go try it. And I tried it and I just went, wow, this is perfect for me because it allows me to really move around, which you would think in Florida you would do, but the population is not as active as you might think. And so pickleball just became a great outlet for me. And I jumped right on it and played, well, probably daily for the next many months and, and years. And only until I broke my ankle about three years ago in Europe, and I was out for about a year. And so my rehab actually was involved with playing pickleball, all things. I had taken a three-month cruise through South America, and my wife had injured her, her wrists, and uh, she's actually been out for about four years, and it doesn't look like it's going to come back. She uh, got two bad injuries that uh, we've gone to all the specialists and nobody seems to be able to come up with a solution. So I ended up getting a pickleball machine, a lobster, before we headed out on our cruise through South America. And I was on a cruise line, Holland America, that has pickleball. Of course, they're, they're not the best, but they're certainly adequate. And I used the pickleball machine to rehab my ankle where I could hit balls, play, but not feel, ah, I got to go get that ball. I just let, you know, <laughs> it was out of my reach. I just let it pass. And I played solid for about three months. And it really was kind of the turning point uh, to where my ankle was back pretty solid. By the time we got back to Florida, I was ready to play and start playing again. So That's quite a story in terms of starting to play and the injuries. And it sounds like your wife isn't on the courts right now. She's not. And she's got a way better attitude about it than I would. I would be pretty bummed out. But yeah, she had two long-term injuries to either wrist and she was a lefty. And I mentioned she played racquetball for years and she had dislocated her shoulder a couple of times. And 
this is back, I think maybe 15 years ago on the doctor at the time, the orthopedic said, Hey, you're not going to be able to keep doing this lefty. You're either going to have to switch to right ear or, or give it up. So she switched to righty and, and played the rest of her time uh, in racket as a right-hander and then played righty with pickleball. And it worked really well. And I was on the scene at that point and we were out traveling out west up in the north part of Washington state. And we were doing some mountain biking and she injured that wrist to coming down a long hill and it just kind of jammed her wrist and ended up damaging it. It's called the TFCC ligament, which is kind of where that knob is on the side of your, your uh, wrist. And unfortunately, they just have said, look, we could do surgery. You might be worse than you are now. So both joints are, are problematic and are kind of in constant pain. And so it, it's been a bummer for both of us because we play together a lot and she's a really good player and she's super fun. She's really smiley. So everybody would gravitate toward her because she was really fun to play with, but that, that just wasn't in the cards long-term. So for now, I'm, I kind of do my own thing. She comes out periodically and every now and then we'll even do a dink game, but, but it's just, it just isn't working for her. So. I am definitely sorry to hear that. I know like so many people would just be not so good with that. That's a really tough situation to be in. But one of the things is in terms of today's interview, I think people are probably already getting the message that you travel around a lot and it, you travel around a lot playing pickleball. And the reason I got wind of what you do is in an interview with uh, Shay Underwood, he was talking about that he had met you and that you actually have a plane in which you fly around to different pickleball events. I do. So I've been a pilot since I was a kid. I actually thought I was going to do that as a career. And when I was in my last quarter at UC Davis, my eyesight shifted on me and it was not terrible, but it went to 2030. And at the time, the uh, service wouldn't allow you to uh, become a pilot uh, in in the Air Force or the Navy, unless you had 2020, uncorrected. And so all of a sudden, this dream that I had forever was kind of snatched out and I'd already gotten my pilot's license. I mean, I was ready to go. So that changed kind of my life direction at that point. And I always continued to fly a little bit, quite a bit, I should say, after college, I guess. And then when I started having family, it just wasn't practical. And so I stopped flying until I got out here, actually, to Florida about 10 years ago. Picked it back up again. Didn't own a plane. I had always thought I would. And when COVID hit, we we lived full-time in an RV. And at one point, the borders were being closed up into Georgia and South Carolina and so forth. And so it looked like there was a really good possibility we weren't going to be able to get out of Florida. And Florida in the summer doesn't work well. So I rekindled my thought of getting a plane. And within a couple of days, I had one picked up, purchased, and ready to go pick it up. Still concerned that I couldn't get through the borders. And about that time, they did release your ability to go up north. So we took our RV and headed up to Virginia where I picked the plane up and, and did some training with a with a fabulous guy who turned out to be a, a former Navy Blue Angel pilot, which is for the people that know that, that's a pretty special kind of pilot. And he has the same type of plane. And what makes this plane unique is it's amphibious. So I can land it on an airport. I can land it on a grass strip. I can land it in the water. And so for me and my mission, which is just goofing off and having fun, the plane that I have is called a Super Patrol. And it's fabulous for just being able to go goof off. I fly it uh, around Florida in the wintertime and southwestern North Carolina in the summertime. 
and I have hangars in both places. So the first the first time I I flew it over in Hiawassee, Georgia, which is right on the border of Georgia and, and North Carolina, I'd already played pickleball at the pickle or pickleball facility in Hiawassee, which really nice uh, spot right on the lake. And so I decided, you know what, I could fly in and anchor off a little bit offshore, swim in, go play pickleball. Now I'm all hot and sweaty, go back out, swim swim around the water for a while, get in the plane, and then go shoot a bunch of touch and goes on the water before I'd fly back to where I have the plane hangered, which is only about a 10-minute flight. And so the first time I flew in, literally, I think there's 12 or 14 courts at the uh, Hiawassee facility, and they just stopped because I'm coming into this little cove. And it was obviously a curiosity. So I then you know, proceeded to do that as often as I could, weather dependent. And so that's where I do most of my flying in at least to play pickleball. There are places around with airports that have pickleball for sure that I could fly to, but North Carolina seems to be where I, you know, do most of my my flying right into a court. That's an unusual setting. So So it sounds like you don't do cross-country trips in the plane, but you certainly do in your RV, I would imagine. Well, I actually do both. So I have a son and his wife and my grandson that live out in Austin, Texas. So we've flown the plane out there a number of times again. It was great because with COVID, nobody wanted to fly. Certainly, we didn't want to expose our kids by flying commercially. So we jumped in the plane. And from here, it if you were to drive, it would probably take you, gosh, I don't know, 18 or 20 hours to fly it, even in, in the plane that I have, which is not a real fast plane, but I still made it in about nine hours, which is a long but doable day. And then we also flew out there from North Carolina a couple of times too. So it gave us a chance to meet our new grandson, which probably wouldn't have happened because of COVID. So it's, I kind of look at it as a, a terrific, fun thing for me to do on an almost daily basis. It reminds me so much of when I learned to fly when I was a kid. I mean, I have that same giddiness about it, but it's also become a nice tool for or getting around in a way that you wouldn't otherwise be able to with COVID constraints. I literally can fly into an airport. Often they have a courtesy car that they let you use. And so we'll often go to an airport someplace wherever uh, my wife picks out a hike. She's a big hiker. So we'll fly into an airport, take the rental or the courtesy car, go hike for a couple hours, go into the town, have something to eat, get back out and fly back home. And it may be 100 miles or 150 miles from where we normally are staying, but it makes for a half day really really doable and fun experience to do that way. The RV, different deal all the way around. When we first got together, my wife had done a lot of camping as a kid, but never done any RVing. I've been doing RVing for probably 40 years now. And I uh, used to go down with my kids down to Mexico. I mean, I would stay for anywhere from six to six weeks to four months down there during the um, winter season, going surfing and goofing off. So I had exposure to it when I was in my 30s and I just never really stopped. It's a great way for being able to go where you want, have your own clothes, your own food. Really, you just you change lots, you change views as much as anything else. It's not for everybody, but if your lifestyle is somewhat like ours, which is uh, we we're pretty minimalist, although the RV that we have now is not by any stretch a, a tight, tiny little RV. It's actually pretty good size, but it allows us a huge amount of flexibility to go where we want, when we want. And so we typically chase the weather. We look for that mid seventies during the day and mid sixties at night. If we can find that, we'll typically travel to it. In the process then of getting the plane, it changed our traveling because we were literally 
go wherever we wanted to go. No, no particular schedule, no plan. Now with the need of having a hangar, we're down in Florida for four to five months. We're up in North Carolina, about the same. I ferry the plane back and forth myself. So I'll fly it up to North Carolina here in April. We'll take the, tra- I'll fly back down. Then we'll take the trailer and we'll go out for a month and a half to two and a half months, depending on what we're feeling like doing. And when we're out then traveling in the RV, I'm looking up pickleball places to play everywhere we go because it's the form of exercise that I choose to participate in on a regular basis. So I play anywhere it's playable. I typically take my machine so that if I can't find a, a game, I can you know, even go to a tennis court and I can set it up and at least get some balls in. But more often than not, I'm flying, or I should say I'm driving to a location, don't know anybody, and I'll just show up at a court and start playing. And we may be there for just an overnight or we may be there for a couple of weeks. And so it's been terrific for me because I I bump into a lot of people everywhere we go that I've probably seen someplace else, or they might know me because of the airplane. And we'll discuss being up in North Carolina and I'll tell my play in Hiawassee and one thing leads to another. And I, I would say, and there certainly is a handful of people that say, well, there's some guy that flies a plane into that. And I go, I know that guy. So it's pretty, it's pretty fun. Now, how do you choose how long you're going to stay in a particular location? I know you said you spent a good amount of time in Florida and North Carolina, but when you're more on the travel trips where it's overnight or a couple of weeks, is that dependent on the pickleball? To some extent, it's pickleball driven. I try to do what I can with my wife, given that uh, hiking is really what she can do well. And so often what we'll do is we'll find a place that is really, has been rated really highly for a certain area for hikes. We've done mostly in the Carolinas is where we seem to gravitate to. We, we like the mountains. We like the, the fact that the Appalachian Trail is all over the place. And so we'll go for hikes is not unusual, but then there's also places that that I'll see a pickleball facility that looks really interesting and we'll go. And if I'm having fun, we'll hang for multiple days or longer. If she's enjoying her hiking, we'll just do the hiking thing. But generally speaking, I can find pickleball pretty much any place I go. I mean, it's unusual for me to not find something within a half an hour drive. And you have a favorite place for pickleball? People ask us about that on every turn, right? Where you travel, where you play pickleball, where you hike. I always say, I like where I'm at. We we can go anywhere. And so we do. We try to find unique and different places. Last uh, spring, when we went up to North Carolina, we spent a month just going through Alabama. I'd driven through Alabama. My wife had too, but we'd never spent any significant time there. So we were staying right around Auburn, near Auburn University, which really reminded me of the town that I grew up with, a college town in Davis, California. And uh, so <laughs> we drove into Auburn and I'm like, well, I'm at home. This is perfect. They had some pickleball there, but they had a really, really great facility just, I think it was just north in Opalaki. That's a covered, kind of an industrial building almost covering, but the sides are open. I don't know the number of courts they had there, but it had to be at least 16 or 20. It was fabulous. And it wasn't even an area, it it was a nice regional park, but it wasn't in a populous area that you would go, wow, that's a great facility to have right next to fill in the blank of a large city. It just wasn't that, but really great people, met some really fun people that I actually see on a somewhat regular basis up in Hiawassee. They travel up in North Carolina as well to play, but they are also, and probably already have completed an addition to the courts that they had there. They were putting on a brand new set of courts. So all of a sudden here's this small little area that has a phenomenally great complex that's unexpected. So those are the things that are are fun to, to find when you're just out and about with no plan. It just happened to fall in our laps. On the other hand, I've been in areas 
areas where you'd think pickleball should just be great, including my old hometown of Davis. College town really puts a high priority on sports and their pickleball facilities are minimal. And really almost a second thought that it was a tennis court that they'll just paint some lines on and, and call it good. So it's always a surprise to me where you might find a really phenomenal facility and then areas where you just scratch your head and go, man, if these people knew what's available by putting in some courts, they would do it in a heartbeat. As we talk on the podcast, I would imagine people are thinking this might be a lifestyle because you do this full time in your RV that they might want to have. What are some of the challenges in making that happen? Well, I, I would recommend a couple of different things because from the outside looking in it, it, there are so many people, especially where I go in playing pickleball, that if I'm there for a while, multiple days, the conversation will come up of where am I from and so forth. And I'll tell them, well, I can't, I'm from nowhere. I'm homeless. I'm you know living in an in a RV. And for the most part, everybody is fascinated by the concept of it. And many people say, oh, God, I've always wanted to do that. I just, I don't know enough about it. So there are a couple of ways of going about it that are uh, a great way to approach it. One is an app called Outdoorsy. And Outdoorsy would be something akin to a Airbnb, but for RVs. So you're actually renting an RV from somebody like me. And you can take it for a weekend, you can take it for a week or what have you. Everything's included, including insurance and all that stuff. So it's very similar to an Airbnb. The reason I recommend it is until you've done it, it seems really neat. But it may not be for you, or it may be absolutely what you want to do. And by using something like Outdoorsy, it gives you a chance to go test it out and, and try it and see. Because although I may be into it, my spouse or partner may not be into it all or vice versa. That's very common. You'll have one that's really gunning to go, but the other spouse is either a homebody, just doesn't want to leave where they are, or they've got grandkids around, they don't want to leave. But there are many people that don't feel those constraints, that feel somewhat like we do. And over the years, I've had some very nice homes, but we both really like the idea of not having a bunch of stuff to have to deal with. So I don't have to deal with the yard anymore. I don't have to deal with maintenance on a house and all the in incidentals that come with home ownership. It is a lifestyle that has caught on because of COVID. I can't tell you how successful it actually will be. The, the, the sales of RVs over the last several years have been absolutely through the roof, record sales. My sense is that if the economy were to have a hiccup, which who knows what's going to happen in the future, a lot of those RVs that were purchased spontaneously probably never left a person's driveway or a storage facility. They just they had mind that this would be a, a, a smart thing to be able to do, but they just never really you know acted on it. For boomers, which I fit in that category at 63, my wife's five years younger. So uh, we fit in the category of very active, very mobile, still a whole lot of life, a lot of energy and interest in doing a lot of different things. The RV is perfect for us because it allows us complete flexibility, whether it's weather, whether it's just wanting to try a different area, whether you have a curiosity about a particular thing that you want to go see, it gives you the ability to just go with very little planning ahead, literally jumping in and going. And you can do it in many different ways. You don't have to do it full-time. You could do it in a partial time. So we just had some friends from California that just left this weekend. They are out for about eight weeks. They live down in Manhattan Beach. So they are from Southern California, but they wanted to do something different and not just be stuck, stuck at home. You can car camp, 
Yeah, that's tough. Uh, if you're doing it for anything more than a, a long weekend, you can use smaller trailers or motorhomes. They work great if you're only going to be out for a week or, or less. But if you're going out for anything extended, you really kind of have to think through, what do I need? What do I really want to have for that kind of an adventure? And it tends to push you toward a, a larger, could be a motorhome, could be a trailer. We happen to have a fifth wheel, but I've had them all. And they all serve purposes for different people for different situations. So in our case, because we're full-time, we wanted as much room on the inside as we could get. Well, the fifth wheel provide. It's also economically much more advantageous because a motorhome, you got to have the insurance is much more expensive. The upkeep is more expensive because you engine transmission and so forth. So outdoors is just a great source to try, to just give it a go. I think that it will be something that will over time continue to keep getting more traction with people as they want a more simple life and want the flexibility of being able to see different areas within our own country. We've traveled abroad a lot. It's harder and harder to do that, whether it's world politics or just the ability to get from one place to another in a reasonable amount of time. The RV allows you just ultimate flexibility being able to say, hey, let's go down to the Keys this weekend. If we wanted to do that, we could. Or let's go visit our family. We can jump in and go. You don't have to give your house up to do it. Ours is probably more the extreme, but for us, it works really well. And the people that we know that we've run into over the years that do full-time have a very similar mindset to us. But we also run into a lot of folks that do it on a part-time basis, and it's great for them. So you can kind of slice it any way you want that fits your lifestyle and what your what your needs and desires are and find an RV that probably will fit your need. Right. And I know on my end, I have had an RV before. It was a smaller one. It was not a fifth wheel or a trailer. And it was great, like you said, for kind of small weekend trips. And that was one of the things when I moved to Connecticut, as opposed to living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for 25 years, here within four hours, you can get to so many incredible places because you just don't have that amount of traffic. So I really do appreciate you coming on the Pickleball Fire podcast today. I love your story. I, I love your amphibious plane. And I, I did have to mention, I have been in one of those one time when I was up in Alaska. So they're just tremendous to be able to land on that water. But thank you so much, Mark, for sharing your stories and your life, just being homeless and traveling around the country, whether by RV or by plane. Well, you're welcome, Lynn. If people find themselves down in the Panagorda area during the winter or where we stay in the summer is Brasstown, North Carolina, and the closest town would be Murphy, North Carolina. You can look me up on Facebook. I actually have a page uh, called Follow the Splash. So just like it sounds, follow the splash. I take a ton of people that I meet in Pickleball. I take them out. I love to share the passion with them. It's a unique way to travel. It's a unique way to see things. I fly out over the Gulf and the intercoastal at about 100 feet. So I'm seeing alligators and manatees and flamingos and dolphins and sharks and all kinds of different wildlife that a normal airplane, you would never fly that low because if you had a problem, what are you going to do? In my case, I just, in North Carolina, I do a ton of flying around the mountains there. There are probably seven lakes within about 15 minutes of my airport. And I fly nearly daily up there. And I've taken a lot of friends from the from that area up flying as well. So it, it's been a fun tool to be able to share with with other other folks. But you can get a hold of me through that that page of Facebook. And I'm happy to, to share the experience and, and answer questions if people are curious whether it be about flying or the RV. I'm happy to do that. And I love pickleball. <laughs> so, <laughs> all of it's good to me. 
That is awesome. And I think one day I'm going to come visit you. I'm not sure if that's going to be in North Carolina or Florida. I love both places. But thank you so much again, Mark, for being on the podcast. You're welcome, Lynn. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 